brings all places together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. Here's a story for you, a story called Touching God. During the early months of the pandemic, one of the hardest parts was not being able to touch people from outside of your household. This was particularly trying if you lived alone. We were social distancing all of the time, everywhere. And I know I was very thankful for my husband, my dog, and our family couch time while we binged Tiger King. As we are in the process of emerging from the pandemic, getting used to professional, casual, and friendly touch again has been an adjustment for me. And maybe it has been an adjustment for you, too. When I was a parish pastor, I used to stand at the back of the church at the end of worship on Sunday and shake 70 hands in a row without even thinking about it. Like I would always wash my hands afterwards, but I never thought twice about shaking all of those hands. Unless, of course, I had a cold and then I didn't shake hands, I would bump elbows. But now I noticed that I always think twice before shaking hands. I think, am I okay with this? And I think, are they okay with this? Human touch is a fundamental need that each person has to varying degrees. It is paramount to respect other people's boundaries when it comes to touch, including family and friends, and especially as we continue to come out of this pandemic. But when it is consensual, touch grounds us in joy, compassion, healing, connection, and love. Greeting a friend with a hug can bring so much happiness. Closing a meeting with a handshake celebrates agreements and sharing of minds. The hands of a doctor or a nurse when examining a patient can lead to understanding and healing. Praying with someone while holding hands can be a deeply spiritual experience. The gift of expressing love and desire with another consenting adult in a sexual manner can also be delightful. The Bible has so many stories about touch. Parallel to last week's story about Mary seeing and hearing Jesus to know him after he was resurrected, another disciple needs to touch Jesus in order to know that it's him. Thomas puts his hands into the wounds of Jesus' sides and hands and then declares, My Lord and my God. Jesus heals with his hands, and his disciples continue to heal people in the book of Acts as well. There's anointing with oil done by hands in both of the Testaments. The Song of Solomon celebrates the gift of sexuality and the joy of bodies touching bodies. In one of the creation stories, God forms people out of the dust of the earth, feeling the earth in their hands, if God has hands, and then breathing life into that dirt. Jesus washes the feet of his disciples with his hands. There's so many stories to choose from. But instead of focusing on a single story about touch from the Bible this week, but instead of focusing on a single story about touch from the Bible this week, 
I want to look at a person and his family and see how the sense of touch was foundational to his life's journey at four different moments. The person of focus is Jacob from the book of Genesis. Jacob will be at the center, but all of his immediate family is involved too. Now, let's remember who Jacob is. Jacob is one of the sons of Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac was the only son of Abraham and Sarah, and Abraham and Sarah and then Isaac and Rebekah are the first two generations of the family that would become the nation of Israel. They are the matriarchs and patriarchs of the Jewish and also the Christian faith. Jacob and his brother Esau are the grandkids of Abraham and Sarah. And more than just being brothers, they are twins. And their time in utero and birth story is the first incident I want us to take a look at. This is Genesis 25, verses 19 through 26. I'm reading from the Common English Bible. These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethel, the Aramean, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean, from Padanaram. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, since she was unable to have children. The Lord was moved by his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. But the boys pushed against each other inside of her, and she said, If this is what it's like, why did it happen to me? So she went to ask the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two different peoples will emerge from your body. One will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When she reached the end of her pregnancy, she discovered that she had twins. The first came out red all over, clothed with hair, and she named him Esau. Immediately afterward, his brother came out, gripping Esau's heel, and she named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. There are two places that touch is so powerful in this first segment of Jacob's story. There's the intensity of Rebecca's pain while she's pregnant, and also how Jacob is born holding on to his brother's heel. Rebecca and Isaac had tried for 20 years to get pregnant. And unlike other patriarchs within his family, Isaac does not take another wife or woman to have children with. This is what his father Abraham did, and both of his sons will end up having multiple wives as well. But Isaac is only with Rebecca. It takes two decades and direct intervention from God in order for them to conceive a child. Yet when she does get pregnant, it's this really rough experience. The pregnancy is so intense that Rebecca fears that she's going to lose one of the twins. She asks, why is this like this? Like, why is it this hard? So it seems that from the very beginning, Jacob and Esau are tussling with one another inside of their mother's womb. And this tussling and conflict, if you want to call it that, continues during the birthing process and their whole lives long. 
When they are born, Esau comes out first, but Jacob is right behind him. The story says that Jacob is holding onto the heel of Esau. And this is how Jacob gets his name. Jacob means to take by the heel or to seize. So Jacob's name comes from how he was touching his brother when they were born. And this name will define the first half of his life as he chases after his brother and his brother's birthright. This reminds us that one of the many ways that people get to co-create with God is through childbirth. The touch of parents, even when it is medically assisted, creates new life. The birthing parent carries and delivers the child, feeling all sorts of new touches on the inside of their body and new touches during childbirth too. This touch is a powerful one and it connects us to God and the creating work of God. As they grow, Jacob and Esau remain rivals and their parents don't help the situation. Isaac favors Esau while Rebekah favors Jacob. And there's some intense rivalry that happens here. The twins have different skills and their lives take different paths. Esau is a hunter who in adulthood takes two wives from the Hittite nation. Jacob stays closer to home and even convinces Esau to give Jacob the birthright of the firstborn son for a bowl of soup. That's like a wild story. But we're not going to read that one today. We're going to keep going until they're a little bit older. So we're going to take a look at when Isaac is dying, and it's this moment where these final blessings are to be given. Rebecca, their mom, enacts a plan to ensure that Jacob gets that blessing that's intended for the eldest son. So he got the birthright through this bowl of soup, and now Rebecca has this plan for him to get this blessing. And you might remember from that first portion of Genesis where I read about Rebecca going to God and asking about why this pregnancy is so hard, God tells Rebecca that the younger would lead the older one. So I think she's just trying to help God's plan along. So Rebecca dresses Jacob in Esau's clothes and puts goatskin on Jacob's arms so that they would be hairy like Esau. And she sends him to Isaac with Isaac's favorite soup, And this is what happens. This is again from the Common English Bible, Genesis chapter 17, verses 18 to 27. Jacob went to his father and said, My father. And he said, I'm here. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your oldest son. I've made what you asked me to. Sit up and eat some of the game so you can bless me. Isaac said to his son, How could you find this so quickly, my son? Jacob said, The Lord your God led me right to it. Isaac said to Jacob, Come here and let me touch you, my son. Are you my son Esau or not? So Jacob approached his father Isaac, and Isaac touched him and said, The voice is Jacob's, but the arms are Esau's arms. Isaac didn't recognize him because his arms were hairy like Esau's arms, so he blessed him. Isaac said, Are you really my son Esau? And Jacob said, I am. 
Isaac said, bring some food here and let me eat some of my son's game so I can bless you. Jacob put it before him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. His father Isaac said to him, come here and kiss me, my son. So he came close and kissed him. When Isaac smelled the scent of his clothes, he blessed him. Again, we see the failing of the eyes and maybe uncertainty about the hearing of the ears too. Isaac knew it wasn't Esau's voice, but he thought that maybe he was having hearing troubles, I guess. So he relied on his sense of touch. And the arms were hairy, so it had to be Esau. The scent from the clothes was Esau's too. So again, right, this has to be Esau. The certainty that Isaac had was because of the touch and the scent. And this led him to give this blessing to Jacob. Though this particular incident includes deceit, we can still appreciate the power of recognizing a loved one through touch. The comfort we receive from hugs, arms around shoulders, scratching backs, and snuggling our pets are ways that we embody God's love to and with our family and friends. And more than just the emotional connection, there are physiological benefits as well. For some, extended hugs can reduce anxiety and panic and and feelings of being overwhelmed. And the touch of pets, especially therapy animals, can make huge impacts on their pet parents. After the blessing is given, Jacob leaves and Esau comes to Isaac. And Isaac then knows the truth of what has happened. He still blesses Esau, but it's a blessing of freedom that will take time. It's not the blessing for the firstborn. And Esau is so mad that he's about to touch his brother again and not in a kind way, in like a life-taking way. So Jacob flees to his mother's family to live there. And while he's there, he meets the women that will become his wives. So fleeing from his brother's touch sets into motion this middle part of Jacob's story. While with his mother's family, Jacob marries Leah and later her sister, Rachel. He also takes their two women servants as wives as well, Zilpah and Billah. Many years later, when Jacob finally leaves his mother's family, his father-in-law's household, a messenger comes to Jacob to say that his brother Esau is not far away and that they will cross paths the next day. Jacob is very nervous about this encounter. I would be too. Who could blame him? After all, Jacob stole the blessing from his brother and then fled their family home. They've not seen each other in years, and he has no idea about what Esau will say or what Esau will do when they meet. But before Jacob is able to meet Esau in the morning, Jacob has this unforgettable night. He has an encounter on the side of the river that changes him forever. This is Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 30 from the Common English Bible. 
Jacob got up during the night, took his two wives, his two women servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the Yabbok River's shallow water. He took them and everything that belonged to him, and he helped them cross the river. But Jacob stayed apart by himself, and a man wrestled with him until dawn broke. When the man saw that he couldn't defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore a muscle in Jacob's thigh as he wrestled with him. The man said, let me go because the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. He said to Jacob, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, Your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel, because you struggled with God and men and won. Jacob also asked and said, Tell me your name. But he said, Why do you ask for my name? And he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, because I've seen God face to face and my life has been saved. In this mystical encounter, Jacob is changed through the wrestling. Though the narrator does not indicate who the wrestling partner is, and the wrestling partner never says their name either, Jacob's word indicate that he thinks he's wrestling with God. And in this wrestling and through this blessing, Jacob receives a new name. He is no longer to be defined by his interactions with his brother. He is now named based on his interactions with God. Israel is his new name, which means wrestled with God. And that's how we get the name for the people of Israel, for the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, we may not have had physical encounters with God as Jacob did on the side of the river, but I think we know what it's like to metaphorically wrestle with God. That struggling to make sense of scripture, what we think God is telling us through scripture or through conversation or processing teachings about God that we may or may not feel are accurate can all be like a wrestling match. For Jacob, this was a literal thing, while for us, it is likely more of a mental or emotional exercise but it is still a way that we interact with and sense God. And we can also be profoundly changed during the process as well. Okay, one last touch. We've got to get to where these brothers reunite. So it's later in that same morning and Jacob is going to meet his brother. And this is how it goes down. This is Genesis 33 verses 1 to 4 from the Common English Bible. Jacob looked up and saw Esau approaching with 400 men. Jacob divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two women servants. He put the servants and their children first, Leah and her children after them, and Rachel and Joseph last. He himself went in front of them and bowed to the ground seven times as he was approaching his brother. But Esau ran to meet him threw his arms around his neck, kissed him, and they wept. You're going to have to indulge me as I read that verse one last time. It's not particularly poetic, but it's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. 
But Esau ran to meet him, threw his arms around his neck, kissed him, and they wept. This is a touch of forgiveness, a moment of pure grace. Esau would have been justified in greeting his brother with contempt, anger, or even violence. Jacob had taken so much from him. Yet Esau greets his brother with love. This moment of forgiveness is stunning and one of the most powerful moments in all of scripture to me. We also can experience forgiveness through touch. Shaking hands, hugging, and yes, kissing can all be ways of showing forgiveness. In worship services, sometimes pastors may lay hands on people's heads while speaking words of forgiveness and absolution. When we have been consumed with guilt and shame, these forgiving touches can be transformative to our bodies, minds, and souls. God is in these holy moments of peacemaking and reconciliation. Now, these are just some of the many and varied ways that we can touch God and be touched by God. As you move into the rest of your week, I hope you'll pay attention to all that you feel with your skin. I invite you to give thanks for all that you are able to sense and notice how you might be encountering God or God's love in those touches. Today, we'll close with our grounding prayer, followed by our prayer for touching. And just like last week, if you don't experience one of these senses, just take some extra deep breaths as we pray together. What are five things that you see? What are four things you feel? What are three things you hear? What are two things you smell? What is one thing you taste? Now repeat after me. God, I thank you for my senses. Thank you for the gift of all that I sense around me now. Help me to sense you always. Amen.
A Prayer for Touching. Holy God, through Jesus, you took on human form and you felt the earth as we do. You felt sand between your toes. Your arms embraced those you loved. Your cheeks felt tears and kisses. Our bodies experience touch in many and varied ways, too. We hold deep gratitude for the ways we learn about the world through touch, through texture, temperature, pressure, and moisture. We celebrate the love, recognition, connection, and forgiveness that we can communicate and receive with touch. We give thanks for those who take care of our skin and nerves and for treatments that help to preserve and restore our sense of touch. Help us to be mindful of boundaries and consent and for us to seek justice when the gift of touch has been abused. May we be open to sensing you each and every day. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. Thank you to Audrey and Trista for taking a breath with APT on Instagram stories this week. I'm glad that you both got some moments to put your feet up amidst your work and parenting. As we continue to move through this series called Sensing God, I'd love to know about your stories, about how you have experienced God with and through your senses. So this is a wide open invitation to share whatever you like, kind of however you want. If it's a photo, you can send it. If it's an audio recording, you can record it on your phone and email it or forward a favorite song like on YouTube. In addition to the thing itself, I'd also love to know the story of why and how you experienced God through that moment. And if you're comfortable, I'd love to be able to share your stories on an APT platform. So depending on what it is, if it's a visual thing, it would probably be on social media. If it's an audio thing, it could be here on the podcast. I don't know. It'll depend on what y'all share. So whatever it is, you can send it my way at allplacestogether at gmail.com. That's A-L-L-P-L-A-C-E-S-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R at gmail.com. I'm ever grateful to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and listeners like you who share regularly and generously with APT. Your financial contributions enable this ministry to grow and for the radical love of God to spread. If you've not made a gift before and you'd like to, you can go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give Here, click that button, and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. We know it can be hard to give financially. So remember that we celebrate all of the ways that you share the stories of all places together with the people in your life and engage with the APT community online throughout the week. I'll be sharing some more ways to engage in the grounding prayer this week, as well as some sensory exploration posts. I hope you'll share and join in and add your voice and view to the conversation. 
Until next time, remember that God loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are.